Hello, and welcome to the In the Booth podcast. I'm your host, Alan Etzler. I'm joined today by Emma Kerr. Emma, how are you doing? I'm doing well. And we have a very special guest today, uh, Board of Education candidate Karen Yoho. Karen, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you're, you're running for the Board of Education for the first time, newly retired teacher. How has the campaign been going, and what have some of those issues been that you've, uh, you've been campaigning on? Campaign's been going really well. Um, I've met so many nice people, and by and large, it's really been positive. So um, whatever the outcome, I've enjoyed the experience and met people that I think I'll stay friends with and and be able to talk to, influence, or um, get information from in future. Um, the issues were often asked about policy 443. I'm interested when people come to me and say, I have a really hard question because it's about their child or something. And when I, they find out that I don't think that's a hard one at all, they're really relieved. So by and large, 443 is really positively, in my experience, been received. Um, Brad Young has said there are some things that need to be tweaked, so we'll be looking into that, you know, whoever the next board is. Um, you know, budget's always an issue. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other. Uh, career and tech uh, expansion is something I think all the um, candidates are in favor of. Testing policy, you know, um, park is going to be replaced with something. Let's hopefully do it correctly. So those are some of the big issues that I hear. And so you, um, you mentioned park, and I, I want to jump into that real quickly. When you talk about doing it correctly, what, what what are some of the changes you would like to see to a testing policy? Well, I was a teacher for 25 years. I've been in on the state testing since since its inception with um, MSPAP and uh, through MSA and then PARC. Um, you know, the results are never something you can use with that class. Testing is supposed to help us teach our students. Um, you get it after the fact. And after you give a test a few times, you kind of know which questions students in general are going to have trouble with. I can tell you right now, students have trouble with main idea in reading. So do we need to take up three weeks of computer lab and schedule changes to get results that we're kind of going to know for the class as a whole? Um, if you really want to hold those teachers accountable. There needs to be a short pretest in the fall so that we know where those students are after the summer. And then a short test again in the spring to see exactly what they've done that year if accountability of the teacher is really the thing. Um, the results are used for students. And a lot of times people don't realize when they're doing middle school placement, they're using their fourth grade park scores and information from half of fifth grade to make decisions for middle school. So fourth grade park scores, that's a, you know, almost a two-year gap, but you don't have the results from fifth grade till right. after they're out of fifth grade. So I just like to see it make more sense for what we're using it for and, um, you know, to get results that can help you with those students and not take up so much time. And MSD has said that they will be seeking input from people from various counties, potentially teachers. Um, you know, what do you see your strategy being as if you were to be on the board representing Frederick County to the state? What kind of um, attitude would you take toward that? How would you approach that relationship? 
I, you know, I said this at the last forum, I want to be the, the voice of the classroom, totally forgetting that Mike Benitsky is also a <laughs> former teacher and a great curriculum specialist who never forgot what it was like to be in the classroom. So together, we can really work on, hey, this is what it really does in the classroom. Um, I years ago worked on MSPAP. I was, I was sent from Frederick County as a third grade teacher to look at one of the aspects of the reading material in the test. And you just saw where people that get out of the classroom or have never been there totally lose touch with how things are going to affect students. And, you know, it, it just they get a little bit Machiavellian. And, and I could see it in curriculum writing myself. Oh, this sounds like a great idea. And then you'd put it in front of students. I remember one, one teacher that worked on it said, who came up with this crazy idea? because we forgot to, you know, try it out on actual students. Um, so that's, that's been honed in, you know, after those years of making those mistakes myself, that you always need to remember what is this going to be like for actual teachers to have to implement with actual students. And uh, if you haven't had that experience, it can be very hard to, to comprehend what that would be. So that's, that's what I hope to bring to it. And coming from a teacher background, um, you know, one topic that's come up a lot is diversity in the teachers that FCPS is hiring. Will that be a priority for you um, if you're on the board? Um, yes, and in, in, in amongst all the other priorities. But I do think it's important. There's enough research that shows that students need to see themselves in the people around them. I, I often think of the commercials we see on TV now where always before it was just white people in middle class situations and now you're seeing a diversity of people. People need to be able to see themselves in these positions to think that they can get there. And so it's important, it's, it's um, a, a challenge. Um, I saw FCPS's data says that only 7% of college graduates with a bachelor's degree in education are African-American in the whole country. Maryland does a little better with 17%. But Maryland doesn't even graduate enough students um, to fill our teaching positions. So we often, I've had a lot of teammates from Pennsylvania, and eventually they like to go home to Pennsylvania. So we need to, we've got the Frederick Teacher Academy um, at the Career Tech Center. Um, we need to, you know, there are things you can do, um, possibly scholarships, help pay for their education if they'll teach here. They, that's been done in the past in Maryland. Um, but we also need to look at Frederick. Are we a warm and welcoming community? Um, so I'd like to see uh, if somebody comes here from out of county that there's a um, mentoring not just in the schools but outside to help support you in the community. The county's looking at livable Frederick. What can we do to have housing prices so people can actually live here and want to come here? So I think it's a, a, a large issue, but we need to start home growing um, some of our own teachers to get that diversity, I believe. Do you, how important is that homegrown growing, um, not just in terms of getting them here, but also in terms of keeping them here? You mentioned people want to go home to Pennsylvania. Yeah. Really can't, it, it, how do you? How important is that? And how do we uh, grow our own teachers, but then keep them here for twenty-five to thirty-five years, or however long they want to stay in teaching? Um, salary. When people say it's not important, I'm like, where? I'm not sure. Come meet the people I know. Um, meet all my teammates that have gone to Montgomery County. Um, so I'm not supposed to say the M word, I guess. But the, and and you know, it's a lot of times you don't 
you, you say, okay, it's not realistic to compete with Montgomery County, but when Washington County and even maybe Carroll County, when they were, you know, beating us in salary, something was wrong. So, um, you know, I give a lot of credit to Brad Young and other people on the board that were instrumental in, in getting the salary scale back on track. Um, so when people say, is that important? It's like, well, that's an easy one. They'll be in the fourth year of, of that. So it's what happens going forward. So salary's a part of it. It's not all of it. Again, we need to make sure that there's a support system that Frederick County is welcoming, that they feel like this could be home. How could that support system improve? Or, or what, what, do we, what, what does the county need to kind of implement to make it that kind of welcoming place for teachers to want to stay? I, I know one teacher that came from Connecticut to work here, and I, I thought about why, what made her come here. Well, she had somebody that recruited her and then stayed as a support system. So she didn't feel alone in the community. She's now been here, you know, I've known her for probably 13 years. I think she considers this her home now. So it's, it's it, part of that is not just say, come here and then you're on your own, but following them up. And again, we do a lot of mentoring in the school system, but how about in the community? How about making sure they know, you know, where, to visit what what things are here for them to do on the weekends um just having somebody you can call to say hey i don't know you know what to do or i'm feeling a little lonely lonely or overwhelmed and just having a, a support system i think could be important um I, another question we wanted to ask you was about school safety mm -hmm. and how important that would be um what do you feel like fcps could do better in terms of making their schools safer Okay, so I'm pausing to think. Um, I don't want to downplay it at all. Schools are still 100% um, or 100 times safer than riding in a car, especially if you're a teenage driver texting. Um, so, and I worked in schools for 25 years. I never felt unsafe. Um, even when school I was at, we had at least four for real uh, lockdowns due to robberies in the area, not right there. So you know, I still felt very safe. I knew we, we were being watched over. The SROs, uh, school resource officers, do a fantastic job in working with the administration. And, and the administrators are constantly being in service on, you know, gang activity and things. So they're, they're up on a lot of that. That doesn't always trickle down to the staff. I don't know that it necessarily, especially in elementary school, needed to. Um, that could be debated. Um, you know, we've got the, they're improving how you get into schools. A lot of these schools were not built at time, at a time where we had to worry about these things and it was just open access. So they're revamping the schools they can with the vestibules that are safer where you don't walk directly into the school, but rather have to go into a vestibule, then into the office. And I was just at Butterfly Ridge and that's, a new school taking it up a notch you know once you got into the vestibule usually you could walk right in the office now you can't even just walk into the office um showing an id i, I think it's a fine step i i'm not quite sure i i'd heard somebody say maybe this isn't the reason for um, uh, um convicted sex offenders to keep them out i'm not sure that's been a huge problem. I would see more of them working for the school system and getting into a school that way. Um, I think when people think safety, think they're thinking more somebody coming in and shooting up the school. 
you know, kids still go out for recess, which sometimes I hesitate to say because I think of people been with groups and I'm like, I'm not going to remind them that kids go out for recess or they go out for PE at the same time or there's certain things that are just structured. Um, I think we keep working on it, but we have um, in the school system, Scott Blundell um, is in charge of that. He's got very good connections. There are people that are constantly every minute of the day and not just the work day, but the day worrying about these things. So the the average teacher and student doesn't have to. Um, that made me feel better. Um, you can't make kids 100% safe unless we make the schools jails, and I don't think anybody's looking to do that. I am not for arming teachers. Um, some of the other things we could do, I've seen some other things, people you know, will give you ideas of what about this thing that will block a door, and then they show somebody using like a mallet or a, a car jack or their leg I'm like what about how does it hold up to guns you know that's what so a lot of people have a lot of suggestions I think you have to do what makes common sense and and works for the schools but I also feel confident there are people looking to that and and trying to do their best I know the the board of education doesn't oversee um the SRO staffing but every person talks about how important those SROs are to keeping schools safe. Mm -hmm. Would you like to see more of them in schools, or do you feel like the kind of one-per-feeder pattern ha has been enough? And I just learned more information. After being asked that at the last forum, um, is there an SRO at every school? Well, I knew there wasn't. One of the things the average teacher is kind of oblivious to what the SRO status is. You might see the police car at the school. You might see them talking to the principal. It's much more the, the administration and, and office staff that, that deal with the SROs, especially in elementary school. Um, and that's a good thing that I never had to meet our SRO because I didn't have any situations. Um, so I learned more about that afterwards. I know the city has um, a, an agreement with some of the schools. And um, I, I I think there's a danger to putting too many SROs, plus we don't have, I, I don't think the sheriff's office has the staff to do that, where you start to get a little bit too, um, I've heard this in other places, where it starts to feel a little bit too much like, uh, again, towards that prison system. Um, you know, I think that would be to the administrators to, to I'd look for input from them, is one per feeder working for you, or do we need to try to get more? You know, and the FCPS community has gotten a few different um, notices so far this year, school safety notices. Um, and I think one of the more recent ones was a threat seen on social media. What role do you kind of see social media playing in school safety? Well, of course, you all had just done an article and, and asked us questions about technology. And, um, and that becomes one of the things in schools to guard kids, especially of younger ages, from the dangers of the internet. But I'm so glad my kids are out of school because kids now deal with it um, any time of the day from home. Um, this is where we have to work with parents, the school system, the community um, to, to help the kids learn what is safe. I, I'm just shocked at the level of depression kids are, um, you know, we're seeing in children a lot from the social media because the bullying goes on no matter where they are. Um, I, I like the, uh, I think it's Thermont Middle School. It's now not letting uh, cell phones out of the lockers. They'll have the 
uh, Chromebooks so that it's the safe um, technology in the school with the school system's Wi-Fi so that you can more easily, not uh, kids are smart, not 100%, but more easily um, protect what they're actually seeing. When they have their cell phones, you know, it, it opens them to the wider world, and then they can be texting and bullying right as you're teaching. And uh, so, but also instructing them. And, and I think parents, I, there's a new movement I heard uh, no cell phones till they're at least 12 or something. I forget. There's a little clever thing. Just, I think this is where parents have to come in as well and understand what, what technology, the downside of it that it can have on their, their children. Uh, you mentioned uh, bullying and depression in, in students. Would you support, um, you know, uh, prioritizing funding for more staffing, mental health staffing, more counselors, things like that? Absolutely. Um, there, it's it's a double-sided thing. I started to see a lot of students uh, in my last few years, especially my last year, that I, I you want them to have a little bit more backbone, like they're crumbling at the slightest slights or what they perceive as slights that you are listening and going, I'm not quite sure why you're insulted by that. So I think talking to students a lot um, there's a book called The Formative Five, and I had said to one of my teammates, these kids need to be a little bit more resilient, and that book calls it grit, and I, I think that's a good thing. On the flip side, we're also now understanding better how trauma affects, it can permanently affect the brain and the trauma that so many of these kids are coming from. So yes, I'd like to see um, more professional resources in the school to help the students. Do you feel like FCPS has done a good job prioritizing those those counselors and the social workers? And, and we've now got, I think, two. I think it's two schools still that have uh, on-site psychologists. Um, how many more steps do you feel like could be taken? It's always a matter of money. That that's what it always comes down to. You know, the parents will say, "Well, why we, can't we have this?" And the teachers will say, "Why can't we have this?" And and we want to do all these things for the students. And always comes down to money. And salaries take up so much of the um, the budget that very little is left for a lot of these things. And even increasing, if you remember, a few years ago, every school had to cut one staff member. We're still not back to filling that in. So you know, class sizes have gotten bigger in a lot of cases. So they're just always these things. That's why everybody needs to vote for question one on, on election day, which will keep the um, gambling money earmarked in a lockbox for education. And, you know, it's not to then it will be supplementing the base budget, not um, taking its place. So that's important. And uh, Kerwin Commission recommendations. Um, people like to think you can get education cheaply. And even back to Ronald Reagan's um, study that he uh, had done called A Nation at Risk, they found there's a certain level of funding you have to have. And, and so we just need to say, this is what we're going to do. This is the money we need. And with more money, we can provide more resources. Um, school redistricting is another thing that is likely to be a continuous conversation really um, probably over the next few years. Um, what are kind of your thoughts about that when you're looking at redistricting for Sugarloaf, when you're looking at school crowding? You know, we just had the enrollment numbers come out for the September 30th enrollment numbers for this fall. Um, what what could what's I guess what's the scope kind of when you're looking at that sugarloaf redistricting in your mind and do you support a countywide 
look at redistricting? I moved a lot as a kid, so and I didn't like it. But as an adult, it's made me realize you can be more adaptable than you think you can. So I'm often not a good one to ask about <laughs> these kind of things because change doesn't bother me the way it does some people. My son also, we opened Windsor Knolls Middle School, and he had to go to Ballinger Creek Middle, which was about 16 miles away. I was fine with that. There were parents that you know, appealed that to the state. It bothered them so much. So sometimes that's where I would I would absolutely look to the community. If the community is like, don't you dare do a countywide redistricting, I'm not going to push for it. Um, if you can see that it, it would be the best thing to do, I'd be all for it. I'm not sure it is. Um, we just have some schools in some areas that I know Sibyllisville always comes up. And due to transportation, I have a very hard time seeing how you could easily redistrict those kids to other schools. Um, but this is not at all my area of expertise, and I would absolutely look to the other board members, transportation, uh, the community to do what's best for the students. But right now, what we have to me doesn't always make sense. If you can see a school across the street and you're being bused to a school that's you know several miles away, maybe we can make it make more sense. I want to kind of touch on, uh, for instance, Butterfly Ridge, when they were redistricting for that, there was a, an area on 40 where they, the original plan was to split that neighborhood up and send some of the kids to Butterfly Ridge and some to Hillcrest. And these parents didn't want to be to be separated. They would rather go to an overcrowded school. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking about justifying the redistricting, just for you personally, are you when you're listening to community members, for you, how do you reconcile them wanting to go to an overcrowded school and, and the board not wanting overcrowded schools, mm -hmm. but also not wanting to split up neighborhoods? It's, it's a really tough one, you know, and, and I always heard in Frederick County, and I experienced, because we also opened Urbana High School, my son went to the first um, class there, um, so we, we had a lot of redistricting and a lot of issues um, that we went through as a family. Um, in Frederick County, people don't want to move. Howard County, they don't want to be in overcrowded schools, so it, it's very different depending on the community. Um, I, I say you listen to the community. I understand neighborhoods not wanting to be split up. Um, there are plenty of neighborhoods that are, and it, it does create issues. Um, so you listen to the community, and but as I said, I'd also listen to the other board members' transportation. Ultimately, you need to do, and that's part of being a board member, of making tough decisions. You need to do what's best for the students, and then you need to justify it and, and hope the community understands that you're doing what's best for the students. I'm also curious to hear um, what you feel like the next steps are for Lynx. So Lynx currently is at Frederick High School. What do you see happening to that going forward? Are you hoping to expand that? Um, and how do you feel? Um, do you feel that that has been a successful program? And I know at this point, I don't know as much about the Lynx program as I would like to. I did talk to a teacher recently that is there and loving it. And um the little I do know at this time, it sounds like it could be the way education will be in the future. You know, um, young people, um, my three children are, are in that millennial group. Actually, the youngest one might be beyond the uh, younger than the millennials, but um, they 
You know, they want to watch TV when they want to watch it. They want food from where they want it. They're used to getting things um, when they, they think it's good for them. And so this just could be the way education goes in the future. And I don't, I don't, I make it sound like they're demanding it all, but it's why not serve the customer? Why not serve the client? And if it's what's best for the students and it'll work best and it'll get them where they're going and works well for the system, um, I'm all in favor of it. How do you so the much of the links program is is state funded through grants. So how how do you anticipate working with people in Annapolis uh, to make sure that 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 funding stays? And then let's say because it could disappear, I guess, at any any budget year. Uh, if it does, how much of a priority is it to keep that money in the budget? Just at, even if it just stays at Frederick High. Yeah, it all comes down to to funding, doesn't it? And it's why elections are important and. Um, you know, I was a teacher for 25 years, a parent for 37 years. Um, education, public education has always been important to me. It's always been a, one of my driving factors in how I voted for people. So I hope people will take that into consideration when they vote and understand that we have to work with the state, um, you know, a little bit the federal, but mostly the state and county. And it's very important that we we all work together well and, and make education a priority. Um, and you're running it for the first time this year. Um, what kind of are you hoping to see in the board in terms of looking for more fresh perspectives or hoping to work more with experienced um, individuals? And then what do you feel like you'll bring, um, even though you might not have as much experience on the board as an incumbent, what do you feel you'll bring to the table? I think it's important to have people that have different viewpoints. You don't want everybody in lockstep or it just becomes you know, groupthink. Um, so you want people with different perspectives um, and people who will voice those, um, those opinions in a respectful way. It never, you know, I've seen people that are, are, I can get fired up about issues as well. I can get very passionate. But in the end, it's reasoned thinking and logic. I'm the daughter of a scientist and hated it as a teenager, but I, I now, that's how I come to my decisions. You know, what makes sense? Here's the pros and cons. Um, and I see people that get very fired up and blustery, and ultimately I'm not sure they're persuasive. Um, and so I, I, a board that can work together, not fighting against each other, but having different opinions so that you, um, you, you're more representative of the community. Um, and I'm sorry, I forgot the other part of the, oh, what do I bring, sorry. Um, again, you know, I wanna be the voice of the classroom. Just leaving the classroom, I still have lots and lots of contacts and lots of people are contacting me um, a lot of the teachers and support staff, um, and I want to keep those contacts because I need to know. You know, I was in an elementary school, and I was in three different elementaries. It's not the same in every elementary. In fact, I was back at the elementary I left uh, 12 years before, and it had changed. So every school is different, and every level's different, and, um, and specials teachers have different challenges from classroom teachers. And so I want to keep all those contacts and, and listen to them. Um, so that's what I hope to be. And, you know, in your first, first run at, at a seat, you received the endorsement of the SCTA, um, and you're kind of running on a slate with with Brad Young, mm -hmm. Camden Rayner and Jay Jay Mason. What what has that slate uh 
I guess first, what does that endorsement mean to you? And then what, what does that slate, uh, running as part of that slate mean to you as well? And what do you feel like all of you guys bring? The endorsement, uh, they asked us that question in the uh, interview process. And I told them then, your endorsement means everything to me. Um, and people might assume just because I was a teacher and an FCTA member and very um, active with the union that I automatically would get that. And I can tell you from being on the other side of the table for many years with Government Relations Committee, that is not true. Um, we've uh, sometimes endorsed former teachers, other times not. Um, they needed to know that, that uh, you had a campaign mechanism in place, that you weren't just like, well, I'm just going to go out and see what happens. You know, I'm not going to raise any money, and I'm just going to have fun with it. They needed to know that you had some idea, and that was a question as well. Um, so once they thought you actually understood what running for office was like, um, then there were a lot of different questions from the three, three levels, the, or the three different um, unions, um, the administrators, the uh, support staff, and the teachers. Um, the committee had to um, agree on who they wanted to pass along, passed it to the board of directors, passed it to the members. So the, tw uh, the uh, 2,900 members roughly had uh, the opportunity to vote for us. So that meant everything. Those are my colleagues, and I do want to speak for them. Um, and then I, you had no you know, understanding or knowledge or whatever of who was else was going to be endorsed, and it was not what I thought. And so when I found out who the other three were, I was very pleased, and we have worked really well together. Um, we all do bring something different, you know. We, we kind of label ourselves that way. I mean, Brad Young obviously has experience on the board and financial experience. Um, he also teaches, um, you know, classes and has coached. Jay's been a community activist, and, and he makes no bones about it. He's African-American. He'll bring that diversity. Um, he also has children in the system. Uh, Camden is freshly out of the school system, and anybody that plays his age as he's only 20 has not met Camden. He is wise beyond his years. He's a genuinely nice person, and um, I just hope he makes it because I would, and that I make it, and we get to work together because I know we can work very well together. Awesome. And we're almost out of time, so I'll give you 45 seconds. I'm giving everybody this 45 mm -hmm. seconds why somebody should vote for you on November 6th. You should vote for me because I will be the voice of the classroom. Um, I've had hundreds of students, and I think a lot of them would vouch for me. Um, I have a lot of colleagues that would vouch for me, but I want to be that voice and uh, bring that experience to the board so that when we're making decisions, we're always keeping the students and the teachers in the classroom in mind. Thank you. Awesome. Karen, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Emma, thank you for coming on Thanks. also. We've been doing quite a few of these. Um, uh, for voters, early voting starts October 25th. Election day is November 6th. Again, Karen, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you.